You are now listening to the smooth, mellifluous sounds of Red's Room Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode number 30 of the Red's Room Podcast. I'm your host, Red. And I'm your co-host, Jake. And today we are talking about the sacred mushroom and the cross. As always, our references are in the episode description. And for this one, uh, what we're talking about is this book right here, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, written by John M. Allegro. So you can get the book if you mm-hmm. really want to dig into it. Um, going to kick it off by reading a short little section to give an overview of the topic. Fuck yeah. Uh, The book relates the development of language to the development of myths, religions, and cultic practices in world cultures. Allegro argues through etymology that the roots of Christianity and many other religions lay in fertility cults, and that cult practices, such as ingesting visionary plants to perceive the mind of God, persisted into the early Christian era and to some unspecified extent into the 13th century with reoccurrences in the 18th century and mid-20th century. As he interprets the fresco of Plain Coralt Chapel to be an accurate depiction of communion ritual ingestion of Amanita muscaria. Allegro argued that Jesus never existed as a historical figure, but was rather a mythological creation of early Christians under the influence of psychoactive mushrooms, extracts such as psilocybin. His unconventional claims have been subject to ridicule and scorn, as Time magazine put it in an article headed, Jesus as Mushroom. Quote, To some biblical scholars in Britain, the new book looked like the psychedelic ravings of a hippie cultist. To others, it was merely an outlandish hoax. One described it as reading like a Semitic philologist's erotic nightmare. End quote. So, so far sounds pretty cool. Yeah, started off pretty intense (laughs) there. Uh, So the book received a lot of hate right off the bat. Definitely. It definitely did receive a lot of backlash, and uh, I think that's to be expected when you're going against the status quo, yeah. especially of something like Christianity. I have uh, on the wiki, it talks about the reaction of the book, okay. and uh, there was a media frenzy when it was published in 1970. This caused the publisher to apologize for issuing it and forced Allegro's resignation from his university position. It's kind of fucked up. They, they made him lose his job there. Um, although in November 2009, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross was reprinted in a 40th anniversary edition. So it did kind of make a comeback. But at the time, it was a very controversial book. That's pretty messed up. And, you know, that is fucked up with them with him losing his job. But I can understand, especially fucking 50 years ago, that this was kind of a bombshell of a of a book that came in oh yeah absolutely especially at the time definitely (sighs) okay (laughs) let's go a little deeper in this 
Some studies of Allegro's work have given new purported evidence and led to calls for his theories to be re-evaluated by the mainstream. In November 2009, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross was reprinted in the 40th anniversary edition, like you just said, Mm -hmm. uh, with a 30-page addendum by Professor Carl A. P. Ruck of Boston University. A more articulate exposition of Allegro's insights into early Christianity and his discoveries studying the Dead Sea Scrolls was published in his 1979 book, The Dead Sea Scrolls and the Christian Myth. The work of Allegro has gained recognition and consideration by proponents of experimental psychedelia through pharmacological interaction as Terence McKenna, who cited Allegro's claims of certain psychoactive fungi analogizing the communion spoken in a live lecture in the 1990s. We covered uh, Terence McKenna uh, in his one of his books. Yeah, on the last episode. On the last episode. Um, pretty cool that he cited him. And uh, pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if, uh, for those who aren't Christian, know what the communion is. Yeah. So the communion is, if you've ever, uh, you've probably at least seen it in movies when they break the crackers yeah, break and then bread. they drink the wine, uh, the crackers representing Jesus' body, the wine representing the blood. his blood. Uh, that like ceremony is known as the communion. Mm-hmm. And they do and it like, what, once a month or whatever? It, every, yeah, every places do it, it differently. It's different. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them do it every Sunday. Some of them do it monthly. Some of them do it yearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, it's different. But um, uh, Allegro and Terrence McKenna quoted Allegro. He was saying that the original communion was mushrooms, not crackers and wine. That is a crazy insight, dude. That is... Yeah, uh, where's this form of Christianity? I'll <laughs> yeah, go. You're doing shrooms I'll go every there. fucking Sunday. <laughs> oh my it's God. the body of Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, uh, pretty interesting, though. And uh, for the, the word there that came up earlier was etymology, and I believe that that means basically the language. Yeah. So everything, um, all of Allegro's arguments come from what he found in the translation of of what different words the meaning of them yeah on the wiki etymology is the scientific study of the origin and evolution of a word's meaning across time so i think that's definitely where the author talks touches on it a lot how things could be kind of lost in translation or maybe if they are translated correctly do those things mean the same thing that they did before and that's definitely a big point that he kind of touches on throughout the book. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, language is constantly changing. So, definitely. Interesting. I'm going to read some more dense material. Let's get into it, boy. And by the way, guys, this book is very dense. It's very dense, and if you are going to read and or listen to it, be ready for the word penis to pop up. Oh, yeah. When he says fertility cults, he's not joking. He fucking means it, dude. There is tons of references to the penis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fertility cults have been around forever. 
they are based around the idea that the heavens are male and rain down, that is in the same manner a man impregnates a woman, onto the earth who is female, and causes her to bear fruit, just as a woman bears children. Therefore, there was a quote-unquote giant penis in the sky that makes, that makes life into the womb that is the earth. Uh, thus began the fertility cults. The giant penis in heaven favored some plants more than others, drug plants with powers to show them heaven. Those with all the knowledge about which ones they were, how to use them, how to prepare them, etc., were the favored ones of the heavenly penis. They were the priests of the drug cults uh, and an evolution of the fertility cults. The initiates into the drug cults were sworn to secrecy, maybe to make the drug effect all the more powerful, and so there is not a lot of record of their existence. In the Iron Age, there existed a drug cult in Jerusalem whose sacred drug was the Amanita Muscaria. They challenged the Roman Empire and lost badly and had to quickly write down the occult knowledge of the sacrament, but not in plain language. They encoded it in the uh, ancient technique of storytelling and fables. Thus, they wrote the New Testament of the Bible. In fact, this drug cult, a.k.a. Christianity, may have learned of this mushroom from ancient Samaria the Bronze Age civilization that spawned everything. They would have passed this knowledge onto the Greeks as well and onto the tribes of the Indus Valley, where use of Amanita muscaria was canonized in the Rig Veta a thousand years later. The main evidence for this theory is the study of words and new connections made possible by the discovery of Sumatria clay tablets. For example, the word sin is derived from the act of wasting semen, an affront to the god of procreation. But what does this have to do with Amanita muscaria? The sacred mushroom was at the center of the Israeli cults. It was their god-endowed plant that gave them temporary access to heaven and immortality. And is the New Testament total bullshit? We don't know, because the church destroyed everything it considered heretical. Maybe the truth is that Christianity existed for centuries before A.D. 70, under various names as a mushroom cult, forced underground by the Romans and the Jews, and they rewrote their own history in a deliberately misleading and mistranslated New, Ten New Testament that obscured the use of the sacred mushroom, the real heresy, yet gave them the secular power to become the church of today. So that, in a nutshell, is the book. Mm -hmm. One thing I did want to touch on is just Sumerians in general, because I personally... I didn't know about Samaria. I know you had some background knowledge mm -hmm. about it, but to kind of fill people in that were like me that didn't know. So this is coming from the wiki right here. Most historians have suggested that 
Uh, Samaria was first prominently settled between 5500 and 3300 BC by West Asian people who spoke the Sumerian language. Now, there is other thoughts about this, too. Others have suggested that the Sumerians were North African people who migrated from the Green Sahara into the Middle East and were responsible for the spread of farming in the Middle East. And there is there is other theories as well. Those are just two that I put in. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is where we get into the whole etymology thing. And you touched on before how things can change and lost mm-hmm. in translation. Uh, Sumerian is the language of ancient uh, Sumer. It is one of the oldest attested languages dating back to at least 2900 BC. And uh, the author, Allegro, he definitely talks about how religious texts, the Sumerian tablets, which I'm going to touch on later, or really any texts have lost some of their original meaning due to many translations. Yes. So that's a little background on Sumer or Sumeria. And I believe they are are across the board regarded as the first human civilization. Yes. Like the first actual society we had. If not the first, the one of the first, for sure. Yeah. I believe they're the first written language. That's that's what a lot of uh, historians come to the conclusion to, that Sumerian is the most ancient, relig- or ancient language that we can date back to. Yes. Yes. So... They predate everything. Mm-hmm. And if they had knowledge of the mushroom and passed it on to everyone else, makes sense where they learned it from. Definitely. So at this point now, um, I just have some interesting parts from some chapters of the book. Uh, just some notes I wrote down here. Okay. Um, thought this was interesting. In chapter four, in the ancient world healing and medicinal plants were very important. Your pharmacist, doctor, and priest were the same person. Healer and priest were two inseparable roles. Drug plants became the study of priests, prophets, and witch doctors. Their knowledge was well-guarded and carefully used in rituals, such as the Zodiac, as described in the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Hebrew word for Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua comes from Sumerian Ayushua. Okay. The Greek fertility god Dionysus is in Sumerian is Ayanushush. It's spelled almost exactly the same if you were to see the 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 spelling mm. of that. Uh it says this is nearly identical and not coincidence. The Sumerian word shu, save, can be found in both in both Jesus Jesus translates to semen, which saves, restores, and heals. And Dionysus translates to semen, seed that saves, and is also comparable to the Greek word for healer, itself an epithet of Zeus. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I recall when I was listening to the book, him making connections between Dionysus and Jesus, and it is kind of compelling to me. Yeah, this was one of the ones that uh, does look the same. It's it's a, I think he's mm. got a strong argument there. Yeah. And I wanted to, to just give a quick, quick uh, I meant to bring it up earlier, the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you're not familiar with them, they are the oldest translation of the Bible that we have. Mm-hmm. So he's going off the most original 
um, scrolls that he can. This these are the closest uh, to the originals that he possibly could be translating from. Unless there's something we don't know about, that's the most OG source we have. Yeah, right now that ever since they've been found, that's that's the best closest one we have, oldest one. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Um, no, I like it. I got another one here. So that was here, this one is from Chapter 5. Okay. Another cool little note. Uh, it says, The main hypothesis of this book, that the mystery cult of the sacred mushroom in ancient Israel codified their sacred knowledge and rituals into religious text before they were persecuted by the Romans. The group that found these texts took them up and built them into the New Testament didn't understand that they were parables, allegories, and fables rife with hidden messages, word plays, and covert meanings. So it's just kind of a reiteration of what we said in the uh, outline. Mm-hmm. But um, the idea basically is that um, they wrote these into allegories, hiding the hiding the, the mushroom and fertility parts of yeah. it um, in in uh with with word plays and covert meanings uh that because they were getting wiped out as, mm-hmm. as anyone who's familiar with Christianity knows the Romans were persecuting them mm-hmm. so it says they were they tried to hide, hide it in their stories uh to keep the Romans from killing them even more yeah they were getting wiped out and then as it was continued on on that meaning got lost they had to keep it on the low yeah, it's an interesting argument. Yeah. One thing I did want to add in that I probably should have explained earlier is just the whole Amanita mascara mushroom. Okay. So this is like your textbook psychoactive mushroom. It's a it's a white stem with a bright red cap, and uh, it tends to have white spots that pop up on top of the cap. And... The cap is usually anywhere between three and eight inches in diameter, so it's a pretty decent-sized shroom. And uh, the author kind of makes a connection with the whole fertility cult between the mushroom and the mushroom can secrete a liquid, which the author connects to fertility. It's a mainstay throughout the book. And one thing I noticed, too, that the wiki said was that the entertainment industry has definitely taken inspiration from the muscaria. If you think about the mushroom in Super Mario Brothers, right. like that is totally a muscaria shroom. Makes sense. You know, and uh, one thing I wanted to add in, too, is what is different about this psychoactive shroom. And it's not a psilocybin shroom. I have the chemical compounds right here. Ibotenic acid and muscarine and muscimol are the main three psychoactive compounds. So just to get that dry information out there for you, that's what's making you trip off this shroom. And this is a pretty intense shroom from what I sounds of it. Definitely. That's interesting. Good note to add there. Uh, I got another thing here and most of these little summary sections I got from a uh, cliff notes site that I uh, did reference in there. So yeah, this is a hard book to summarize. The guy who the guy who summarized these parts of these chapters. Thank you. Uh, so chapter six, many connect connections, some convincing, others seem a stretch, are made between strange biblical phrases to mushrooms and penises. 
alternative names for words, incantations, various uh, variant translations, transliterations from other dialects, and reconstructed Sumerian originals are all used to show that the plain Greek is actually wordplay and allusions to a hidden layer of Semitic understanding. So again, it's reiterating things we said. Mm. Uh, very interesting. I think you'd have to have a lot of linguistical knowledge to know that. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and it makes me think of there is a scripture that says to like keep searching for the hidden truths. Maybe it's the shroom. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there is no connection, you know? You know, that's true, too. Uh, who knows? Uh, you know, some of the connections he make are really good. Some of them seem really loose. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's interesting, nonetheless. I got one last one here for chapter 9. It says, In Genesis, Eve is tricked by the serpent into eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and Adam follows suit. In the scriptures, it describes that the fruit of the tree grants them the knowledge, saying, quote, Your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. End quote. That's from Genesis 3 5. Mm-hmm. Allegro concludes that this fruit of the tree of knowledge is none other than the sacred mushroom. He also references ancient Christian art depicting Adam and Eve and mushrooms. Yeah. I think. Is that on the back? I don't know how good you can see this one. Not very good. but Not you, very good. You can look them up online. They're real easy to find on Google. Uh, but, yeah, there's art showing Adam and Eve and mushrooms. And to me, that makes a lot of sense, Definitely. actually. Um, there's been a lot of argument over what uh, the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil was in the Garden of yeah. Eden. You've often seen it depicted as an apple. But no one actually knows what it is. The, the mushroom to me makes a lot of sense for that. Opening up your eyes, you will be as gods knowing good and evil. So only plant I can think of that does that yeah. is any of the psychedelic ones. And the mushroom is the only one that you can just pick up and eat, I believe. Mm-hmm. I know there's DMT plants, uh, but I believe you have to like prepare them with another plant. Otherwise, they don't do anything. So I... I I find that interesting. And yeah, if you look up, there's tons of Christian art with mushrooms in it that's just really weird. Yeah. It seems out of place. Why why, why the fuck? Why were they depicting that so many times? Yeah. Uh, he the author also brings up another psychedelic, the mandrake. Okay. Uh he says this it's said a decent amount of times throughout the book and I was kind of confused of what the fuck the mandrake was. Yeah. And uh, I, I just did a little quick Google search. I found a United States Department of Agriculture article, which will be linked down below, talking about the mandrake. And just a little reading from that. The mandrake's legendary history and mythology is found among many writings dating back to the 14th century B.C., References to mandrake are also found in early Mesopotamian, Greek, Old Hebrew, Roman, uh, Roman, Egyptian, Arabic, and other texts. During the Middle Ages, the mandrake was Europe's most significant medicinal and magical plant, capable of curing practically everything, from infertility, which kind of connects into the fertility cold again, insomnia, foretelling the future, and to even shielding a soldier during battle. 
So I think that was another cool psychedelic that he kind of brings up in this book. And yeah, I didn't even know about that one. It definitely, with the muscaria and the mandrake, it definitely does overlap with how you were saying, the Adam and Eve yeah. kind of origin. And I find it plausible myself. Yeah, I find some of the things uh, very plausible. And uh, yeah, and from what we learned in the Terrence McKenna book on the mm-hmm. last one about um, religion starting from taking psychedelics, mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, what else makes you feel religious when you take a psychedelic? Y- yeah, that's number you know? one right there, man. So uh, got another, another section here to talk about um, titled Other Religions. Allegro asserts that it's not such a controversial idea that religions could be based on the use of psychedelic plants. It's been said that other ancient cultures might have used psychedelic plants as well as their religious rituals. In Book 9 of the classic Hindu text, the Rig Veda, a pressed juice called Soma is mentioned as something drunk by priest. Some sort of visionary state is reported quote, make me immortal in the realm where happiness and transports, where joy and felicities combine and longing wishes are fulfilled, end quote. Some say that Soma could have been a psychedelic mushroom, maybe the Amanita mushroom. R. Gordon Wasson held this opinion. Terence McKenna in Food of the Gods says that a more likely candidate for Soma due to its better uh, efficacy at inducing psychedelic states is the psilocybe cubensis mushroom. The mushroom can grow in cow dung in certain climates, which may explain why the cow has gained such a sacred status in the Hindu tradition. However, other academics claim that Soma was cannabis. In addition, the blue lotus flower was worshipped by the ancient Egyptians and is now known to have some psychoactive properties. The Eleusinian Mysteries were initiation ceremonies held every year for the cult of Demeter and Persephone in ancient Greece. A drink called Kaikion was consumed, which the Iliad says was made up of barley, water, herbs, and goat's cheese. In the Odyssey, however, the character Circe adds a magic potion to it. Some speculate that the barley used in this drink was uh, parasitized by ergot, that is a fungus, and that the psychoactive properties of the fungus were responsible for the intense experiences that people reported at Eleusis. Ergot contains ergotamine, a precursor to LSD. This is why Albert Hoffman used ergot to synthesize LSD. Mushroom cults in Mesoamerica date back to at least 1000 BC, indicated by mushroom stone effigies found in the Guatemalan highlands. In addition, frescoes from central Mexico, dated to 300 AD, showed signs of mushroom worship. Sacred mushrooms feature in Aztec texts as well. The Codex Vindobinensis, for example, visually depicts the ceremonial use of psychedelic mushrooms. The Aztecs call these mushrooms 
Tionanactyl, which literally means flesh of the gods. Here's further information on ancient... Uh, that's uh, further information on it. Allegro argues that Christianity is just one more example of a religion which at its core involves the use of psychedelic plants as a way to access the divine. So, uh, yeah, like we said, religions all over, Mm -hmm. as far as we know of, as far as we can go back and find religions, we find psychedelic use alongside them. Yeah, I, uh, I go back to the ergot wine that was supposedly used what during like the days of moses there's theories about them fucking right gaining the, enlightenment through like a ceremony and drinking this wine that had ergot in it and i think uh, um it was originally in his time possibly the blue lotus okay but we're not sure there's no way to know um all we know is the egyptians used that blue lotus in their mysteries that mm-hmm. he possibly was part of Sorry to correct you. No, no, you're good. I, I like to hear that. But it's it's possible it was ergot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Greeks were. I, I believe that they have done analysis of wine bottles they found and did find ergot. Did find it in yeah. theirs for sure. It's crazy the parallels too, because uh, getting a little off here. But even like the Salem witch trials, there was a connection made between. Mm-hmm. Uh, messed up rye bread and that developing ergot in it so yeah and that everyone was possibly hallucinating Mm -hmm. and that's why they thought everyone was witches yeah because people were tripping fucking balls that was an accidental use yeah they didn't know yeah uh but yeah it is it's interesting how these things have uh uh been around and even just the whole thing of just medicine in general going back to sumeria and one thing that the author definitely talks about in this book is the Sumerian tablets. Yes. And they would either display like stories or remed- natural remedies. There's even things about maybe the, the Epic of Gilgamesh being on a Sumerian tablet or yes. another, it, this I found on the wiki talked about opium maybe the sumerians knew about this opium has been known for millennia to relieve pain obviously the sumerian clay tablet about 2100 bc is considered to be the world's oldest recorded list of medical prescriptions it is believed by some scholars that the opium poppy is referred to on the tablet interesting so that's not like guaranteed but some scholars have made the connection that maybe this far back there was people of Sumeria that fucking knew natural remedies like maybe opium has been around for way longer than we ever thought that makes sense Mm -hmm. I could see it personally yeah uh there's lots of knowledge we get from the Sumerians and Mm -hmm. yeah you talk about the epic of Gilgamesh um it's argued that the story of the epic of Gilgamesh um, was stolen in the Old Testament and rewritten as Noah Yeah, in the flood. So if they're borrowing that from the Sumerians, why wouldn't they be borrowing the mushroom use as well? You would only want to, uh, if the first thing is true, I would only like to believe that that is true as well. Yeah, I mean, that's where everything originates anyways. Definitely. It's all, everything has come from there for 
for um, our religions and our societies. That's the first society that yeah, we know of. Dude, they were just super ahead of their time. Well, yeah, way ahead. Uh, so uh, I got another section here on my conclusion. Alrighty. Many people refute Allegro's claims, and I agree that he seems to overstep his wordplay with translation at times. However, it does seem like some of his translations do make a lot of sense, and their similar use with uh, gods in Samaria and surrounding regions to the Israelites can't be just coincidence in every case. In my opinion, Allegro overstated his case, but to be fair, he was up against a very close-minded audience in academia at the time and even today. I think the idea that religion in general for mankind was shaped by psychedelic plants has gained a lot of traction, and I look forward to further discoveries into the field. In our own studies from things we have uh, covered on this podcast, we have learned that psychedelics in religion stem back at least as old as the mystery schools of Egypt. We have also learned of a very interesting argument that Moses created the Israelite nation and religion from the Egyptian esoteric religion of Mm -hmm. one God. So would it be so surprising if he also brought the use of psychedelic substances along as well? I think there are more connections to be made than just what Allegro has referenced in this book. Definitely. And now we learn that the ancient Sumerians... We're using. We're very familiar with psychedelic and other drug use, mm-hmm. so it seems like it's gone along hand in hand with society. I this is one thing where I totally agree. It it makes too much sense to me, at least. Yeah. So I think uh, the argument against Allegro would be the argument that Christianity is like the exception to the to the what we've seen in that the religion comes from psychedelic use. So if you say that Allegro is wrong, then Christianity is just like the only religion that didn't come from psychedelic use or didn't involve it. Right. Or one of, yeah. Which, yeah, just seems odd. Cause every, I mean, I don't know about everyone, but it seems like the majority of major religions were coming from psychedelic use. I mean, it just, if you put yourself in like an ancient human's shoes that fucking, you start tripping balls, like <laughs> you might take that as a fucking experience from God or whatever. And right. It, it makes sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get why, why people have a problem with it though. Definitely. Yeah, that. definitely. Um, and I'm not saying that it's factually true. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know either. And I don't think that there is enough hard evidence to say it for sure at mm-hmm. this point. But I think it's a very good case. I'll say that much. I think it's a good case as well. Yeah. And and like I stated in there, I think um I think there are there are some translations Allegro makes that are too loose. Too much yeah. like this relates to this. So and it sounds like this. And it's like, well, how how do we know that for sure? Like uh, anyone could, you could do that with anything. I feel like uh, you can say they're similar, but I don't. I, some of the things he's he argues are definitive. To me, don't look like definitive evidence. It, I agree. It's definitely fucking hard to say, but I do one thing for sure that I totally agree with him is the whole idea of things being lost in translation, definitely, and, and not 
meaning the same things they used to mean. Yeah, and I wonder too, like, I know, we all know that the uh, Catholic Church has hidden a lot of knowledge that they have down in their vaults. Mm -hmm. What's in that Vatican vault? Maybe they're holding some evidence that's the key to this puzzle of the the origins of Christianity mm-hmm. that would help sum this up. Maybe we're looking in the wrong direction. Yeah. Or maybe they have evidence to support this. It would be, uh, you know, I think it's a crime that they just hold all that stuff down there. We, It would be so awesome to, to, to really, you know, get some insights into what they know that they're not sharing. Another thing that just kind of popped in my head, because there's theories about the experience with the, the burning bush. Yeah. Yeah. The acacia bush, I mm-hmm. believe, and maybe that some DMT is in there. Yeah, that's talked about that um, when uh, Moses saw the burning bush mm-hmm. in the desert, that that acacia bush contains DMT. So it could be describing yeah. a hallucinogenic experience, which, you know, when I first heard that, I it, it was an interesting idea, but I think knowing more about how psychedelics were used in religion and used by priests in religions to communicate with God. Now it makes more sense that maybe he was purposefully performing a ceremony to uh, communicate with God. That it makes a lot more sense now that I know more about, you know, uh, these types of things, these situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I did write down as I was listening to the book, and I'm not going to lie to y'all, I listened to the first half of the book. I got through the first nine chapters, and I was I was pretty much done after that. It is a great book, but it's a hard read. But it's uh, dense. One thing that Allegro says is that you could visit the heavens or the underworld, and I kind of want to perceive that to the Muscaria or whatever trip that that could take you to where you wanted to go. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's with intention. With the ceremony around it, De- you can like you were, visit either. Like you were touching on in the last episode, intention is definitely a big part of psychedelic drugs. So if you went in with the intention that I'm going to see fucking heaven, maybe you could. Yeah, now I'm kind of thinking of the Greek story of Morpheus going into the underworld. Yeah. Maybe that's how he went. It, Like I've kind of touched on fucking with the mandrake and different psychedelics it is definitely made waves in different areas of the world and greek greece was definitely one of them yeah yeah they're huge huge use were huge Mm -hmm. users of it back then Mm -hmm. which uh we covered that in an earlier podcast too um i forgot that one was titled but we talked about the eleusinian mysteries and the egyptian mystery schools there's uh there's a lot there and they're finding more and more about that Mm -hmm. um so who knows what we're going to find in the future, right? Yeah. It, I feel like part of it, though, is a lot of this shit is just so ancient that I don't know if we'll ever fully know. Like, it is so old, dude. I mean, who knows? They never thought they would find the Dead Sea Scrolls, but they True. they stumbled upon them in a cave that was so dry that they were just so well-preserved where in another climate they would have been destroyed. True. Also, and, yeah. Yeah. And like the Sumerian tablets, I mean, when you, if you find a stone tablet carved, that thing's going to survive. So who knows what they might uncover in another archaeological site? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Pretty interesting. So, got anything else to add, Jake? I covered it. Why everything I had? I think that's about what I got. Uh, wrap. 
Yeah, no, that's about a wrap for me. I guess you already kind of touched on it, but the whole thing of Jesus maybe not being real and just being hallucinated and made into Christianity, that is just fucking a crazy bombshell to me, man. And obviously, I'm not saying that he wasn't real. There's some good evidence pointing that he was, and there's some decent evidence pointing to that he wasn't, so... Yeah, that's been I don't debated know. by people forever. Definitely a big debate. Something I don't know enough to say. But he did he did another chapter make a lot of correlations to Jesus being the mushroom. One hundred percent. And the whole I the connection of the the fertility cults. But it's dense, man. Yeah, so if you guys want to know more, check out the book. Mm-hmm. Big respect to John. Uh, yeah, excellent work from him. At some point, we might have to cover his other book. Mm-hmm. If it's anything like this one, it's going to be at least interesting. <laughs> yeah, it'll be dense, very dense. Uh, yeah, uh, he's definitely on his scholarly work. I'll give him that. Yeah. Uh, he, at, at least to me, the, there's a lot of big words. So to me, it sounds real smart and intellectual. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, you know, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, till next time, I'm Rhett. This is Jake. Thanks for listening. See you.